Happy Spring Ahead Day. We are, <laughs> I hear a groan. Uh, <laughs> and one person clapping. <laughs> uh, my name is Tim. I serve here as teaching pastor. I get to uh, unpack scripture with you all on Sunday mornings. And we, uh, we as a, a, a church are going through a series called Praxis. We're, we're looking at the book of Acts in the New Testament. And with this idea of praxis in mind, praxis is uh, a process by which you take an idea or concept, kind of this abstract idea, and then you, you make it real. You build it or you enact it, you embody it, you flesh it out. And really the book of Acts is all about this. It's about taking what, uh, what Jesus accomplished in his death and resurrection, taking his teachings, and then what does it look like to live that out, both for those early followers of Jesus in first century Palestine, the Greco-Roman world, and also for us Today, in Bellingham, Washington, in the 21st century, how do we live this out? And so that's kind of where we're at uh, this season. So I, uh, I, listen, I listen to a podcast uh, often called Radiolab. Anybody ever listen to Radiolab? It's, yeah, a couple people. It's fun. Real interesting stories on there. Uh, there's one uh, I was listening to a little bit ago, and there's a guy they're interviewing by the name of Rick Rollins. And Rick, he's uh, always maybe in his early 50s, and he's got this uh, wooden box, the size of a shirt box, it's made of maple wood. And in this box, Rick keeps, he keeps these mementos, these, these uh, objects that have significance to him uh, over the years. And one of the things that's in this box is this uh, candy sugar egg. We have a picture of it, I think. Uh, it's this pale yellow egg made of sugar. Uh, and very, you know, it's a, it's a candy deal. And this particular yellow sugar egg comes from about the year 1970. It is a 45-year-old candy, which is very old candy. Uh, and uh, so he's kept this. He's kept this for four, four and a half decades. And so he's, he's talking about why, why this has meant a lot to him. And Rick's sharing that when he was a kid, uh, he, his family moved all the time, moved almost every year. And... Um, so friendships were hard, and one time he's living in the state of Washington, and his dad has to move again. So his family's getting ready to move, and he'd been invited to this birthday party. But the birthday party landed on the day that they were, they were leaving town. And so his parents had said, you're not, I'm sorry, you can't go to the birthday party. So, uh, well, actually, we have the audio, so I want to listen to Rick explain uh, what happens next. So can we play that now? Yeah. But it happened to be that uh, his birthday party was scheduled the very day that we were to move again. So my father was once, once again transferred, this time from Washington back to Idaho, and my parents had decided that it, I couldn't attend the birthday party because there wasn't time. So the moving van was sitting there, everybody was ready to go, and I don't think I, I even asked my parents, I don't think they know that I left, but I took off and I ran up the street to David's house. I, I still can picture this moment. I, his house was a brick house, and he had a large porch that was completely empty, and I know that I paused there. Even though I was only eight, I must have known that our friendship really wasn't at the point where it demanded a goodbye, especially if that meant that I had to interrupt his birthday party. But I rang the doorbell, and his mother answered the door. And I remember seeing basically from her knees down and beyond her into the back of the house, which was bright and loud where the party was going on. And a few seconds later, David showed up. He you know, was kind of behind her. And I don't remember saying a word. 
You were just standing there? I was just frozen and standing there, completely embarrassed and not knowing why I had done this. And uh, I was about to leave when David's mom apparently asked him to go get something. And he left and a few seconds later returned and, and handed me this yellow sugar egg. The very same egg here in your box? Yes. I walked back to my parents' house. We were loaded into the back of their station wagon and we drove from there to Idaho. And I know that I held this in my hand the entire way. Didn't let go of it. I put it in a drawer and it has lived in various places for all these years. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yes, it begs the question, doesn't it? You know, the truth is, I, I knew its importance immediately and it hasn't changed. I looked at this egg and it was proof, physical proof, that I had been invited to a birthday party and that there was a hope of making a friendship. And I held on to it because I needed that proof. So Rick, Rick holds on to this, uh, this sugar egg for 45 years, and for him, it is proof this, uh, that, that, uh, that he had been invited to a birthday party, and there was hope of making a friendship. And, I, and for me, that captures this, this, these twin experiences, these twin dynamics uh, in, in, in our lives that we, we genuinely long for friendship, for relationship, for community. We have this longing to be connected to others. And yet at the same time, in our lives, oftentimes that is met with frustration and disappointment and unmet expectations and hurt. And so we have these, these twin experiences around relationships, around community, this real longing for it, this longing for connection, and yet frustration and hurt around it. And, uh, and so I wonder even for us, if, I mean, if you were to reflect this morning, what would you say captures that for you? What would you say is your, uh, your pale yellow sugar egg? What, is there an object or an event or a memory that for you encapsulates these twin forces, this deep desire for connection, relationship, and at the same time, uh, the, the way that gets thwarted or hurt, uh, disappointed. Um, these two experiences, I think this is a very, these, both these forces are very human experiences. And so uh, this morning I want to talk about that. I want to talk about community, relationship, and particularly how I believe that when, uh, when God comes to rescue people, uh, part of his rescuing of us is rescuing us for community, rescuing us for relationship. God designed us this way. I believe he wants to bring us into to this. So we're going to look at a scripture this morning. We're going to look at Acts 2. Uh, 42. So we're going to begin. If you want to follow along in your Bibles, you're welcome to, or the words will be on the screen above. Acts is after the book of John, before the book of Romans. And uh, the, as we've talked about in the past, what we're reading this morning, Acts 2.42, particularly is about the, um, the shape of the early Jesus community. you got this, this group of people following Jesus together, and then this is about their practices, how they lived together. So let's listen to uh, to this. The author writes, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. 
I want to pause there uh, for a little bit. We're going to come back to it in a bit. Um, but we see that this, uh, this early Jesus community, they, had these, they, they devoted themselves to certain practices together. Four of them are named here. Apostles teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. And, uh, and, and the, the idea being that um, when, a group, when people begin surrendering to Jesus, trusting him, his presence takes up residence within them. His, his actual spirit comes and lives within them and, he, and begins to shape their hearts and give them certain devotions or desires or attachments or motivations, points their hearts towards certain things. And, and here a number are listed, apostles teaching, breaking bread, prayer. But the one I want to talk about this morning is this, this idea of fellowship. That they had this, uh, this desire, attachment, devotion to the fellowship. Um, this, this, this devotion to community. Um, central, uh, central to uh, the Christian faith uh, are those, the, this, this twin dynamic that I, I mentioned earlier. That, that, uh, cr- that central to the Christian faith is this idea that we as human beings are made for community. We're made for relationship. We would say ultimate reality, God, is community, is relational. That When we talk about God as Trinity, God as Father, Son, Spirit, community, and we are made in God's image, we are made for relationship. And at the same time, central to the Christian faith, is this idea that that has been bent or twisted or broken within us. That within every man and woman, we have this thing called sin, this, that our hearts are curved in on themselves. And often thwarts our attempts for community. The, the, the picture, what it's sin, this idea that our hearts are curved in on themselves. Um, I'd invite, fold your arms. Yeah, this is what, this, this attitude of our hearts, this, our hearts are curved in on themselves. Our hearts often t- take this posture towards God and towards others. Our sin is being curved in on ourselves. And I believe that part of God's rescuing of us is that Jesus takes our hands, he takes our arms, and he undoes that curved inness, and he extends them outwards. And this posture, do this. This posture is an open, that Jesus undoes our crossed arms, our, this inward focus of sin, that we would be open towards God and towards others. I mean, the two great commandments, love God, love others. It's a fundamentally this outward posture towards God and towards others. And so part of, part of Jesus' rescuing of people is rescuing us for community, for relationship, the ability to be open towards others, mean healthy relationships towards others. So they were, deve- they were devoted to the fellowship. Um, what does it mean that they were devoted to the fellowship? This idea that, um, that, that commu- God was rescuing them for community or for relationship. So devoted to the fellowship. The word fellowship, uh, in, in the Greek, the word there is koinonia. They were devoted to the koinonia. And uh, koinonia, it, uh, it means to share or participate in something. So the word, so koinos um, means an object that's shared, and koinonia means people who share something or people who participate in something together. So it could be a business partnership or, or a sports team or uh, it could be any, anything where you're sharing or participating in something together. So they're devoted to, to, the, to sharing together. And, and, and so the question is, okay, what, what did they share? If this is a group of people who are sharing something, what were they sharing? And they're, a couple, they're sharing a couple things. And I want to kind of two big ideas on what they were sharing, uh, these early Jesus followers. One, they were sharing a common connection to Jesus. So they were devoted to this common connection to Jesus, sharing this common connection to Jesus. And two, because of that, 
They were devoted to sharing life here and now. So common connection to Jesus, which led to a sharing of life here and now. So they were, they were devoted, they, were, they, they shared a common connection to Jesus. Oftentimes uh, in the New Testament, uh, it talks about when someone follows Jesus. In fact, in 1 John 1, it talks about when someone follows Jesus, they, they have koinonia with God. They have koinonia with the Father and with the Son that we, we share in God's life when we follow Jesus. Uh, we talk about this in different ways. That, um, to follow Jesus means we share in his death. To follow Jesus means we share in his death that we somehow, we, we get to give Jesus our junk and he takes it, our sin, our, our wrong choices, and he takes it to the cross and he takes it to the grave and he leaves it there. And by sharing his death, we get to, we get to experience this forgiveness, this grace. We talk about we get to share in his resurrection, that there's this new power of life that's put inside of us. When we, when we decide to follow Jesus, not only for today, but also we're promised that we will be resurrected for eternity with the creator God of love. So we share in his death, we share in his resurrection. We talk about, we also, we get to share in adoption. That when we, when we follow Jesus, we get, to, we get adopted into the family of God as sons and daughters of God. And we even, we get to share, uh, we get to share uh, in connection uh, to God by his spirit. That Jesus puts his very presence within us by his spirit. And so we share this literal spiritual connection to God by his spirit. So there's this, this uh, koinonia begins with a common connection, a sharing in the life of God. And so when we talk about uh, what is the foundation of Christian community, the foundation is never um, that we have some kind of common, like the same age group or common, we like the same song style or uh, the foundation of Christian community isn't that we share uh, common politics or we have the same ethnicity or the same nationality. The foundation of Christian community through all of history has always been a shared connection to Jesus. That's the foundation. And so the people of Jesus has always spanned ethnicities and nationalities and ages, social classes, because it's built on this common connection to Jesus. I wanted to, I wanted to try and uh, come up with a picture uh, of this. So, so uh, play along with me here. I'm going to need, I'm, I need uh, four volunteers to help me illustrate something. So four people who would be willing to stand up front here for a little bit. Uh, so can I see four hands raised? One, two, three, four. All right, thanks. Come on up. Mm. All right, you all are going to exemplify this idea of that we're connected to Jesus. So come on over here. Cross, representing Jesus. Ropes, representing our connection to him. So if you could each just pick one of these up. And kind of extend it out so people can see it. I'm just going to have you stand there for a little bit, all right? And I'll, you're doing, fan, good job, by the way. Look at that. Excellent. Good extension on the ropes. So this idea that when, when, we, uh, when we trust ourselves to Jesus, we are connected into him. That um, he's our king. He gives us our, his spirit within us. We're connected to him. And so when, when people are connected to Jesus... They're automatically connected to one another. When Jesus invites us to himself, he also invites us to his family. That when we share connection to Jesus, that also means we're connected with one another. Just as, all, as their connections with this cross also lead to them being connected to one another. So you hang out there. We're just going to let this... You're doing great. Um, we'll come back to this in a second. 
So I want to, um, what I want to do now is I want to pick back up with that passage, and I want to look at how, for those early followers of Jesus, their shared connection to Jesus led to and was the foundation of sharing life here and now. Sharing life. So I'm going to continue to read Acts 2:42 and onward, and I want you to pay particular attention for the ways in which these people practice sharing life together. So listen for how they practice sharing life. So again, Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. All right, so I need your help here. I would like you to shout out, name for us, some of the ways they shared life together. Just tell, tell us some of the ways you heard them sharing life together. Eating. Eating together. One of my favorites. Yes. What else? Sold, sold possessions, so they shared financial resources, material resources. Yeah. What else? They worshiped together. They had this, this common worshiping. Yeah. What else? Yeah, so they, uh, they, I guess, how would you, they, they, they were together, to, they shared time together, but then at the same time, they kind of outwardly related to the wider community together. Yeah. What else did you hear? Did I hear something back there? What? Devoted to the teaching. Yeah, a common teaching, a common way of living they're devoted to. Yeah, they shared that. Met in their homes. They shared their homes. Yeah, that's huge, and particularly in ancient Near East culture. Eating in someone's home, that was a, a very uh, uh, intimate form of friendship. Prayer. Prayer. Yeah, they're spiritual. They pray together, which, is, which w- I think would involve revealing their deep longings, their hurts, their hopes. When you pray with someone, you, you open up your heart to someone. Every day. Time. Yeah, that's meeting every day. That's a significant amount of sharing life together right there. It doesn't say, and they met for an hour once a week. I mean, they shared life together. Anything else? Gave, yep, they, they shared in generosity and glad. Yeah, they shared, I mean, you, they, even their emotional, their, their joy they shared together. Yeah, and the giving again, a huge thing. Yeah, so, so you, I mean, all sorts of sharing life here and now, right? That their shared connection to Jesus led to a sharing of real life here and now. And it was like their lives got intertwined. So I want to do this now. Could you all do, uh, just go over and under each other. I want to see these ropes get braided together. So it's like when, you, when, when they're sharing meals or praying or, uh, or talking or getting together, going um, serving together, um, selling things to meet each other's needs. There's this, their lives are getting intertwined. That there's a, at times it's messy, at times it's complicated, 
at times it's beautiful. Uh, but, does, okay, just pause. Um, no, no, you're not, uh, you, you keep going. Um, anybody, I have little kids, the movie Tangled, and they're braiding her hair. That's all I can think of when they're doing this. But, um, so, but, the, but their lives, and there's this sense that, um, there's a sense that this invisible connection to Jesus becomes made visible, gets woven together, and is made is made for the world to see when we practice sharing life here and now. That's fantastic. You are, I, that was, it's like you've done this before. That's a great job. And when, when, we, when we share life, our lives get woven together, braided together, and this, this invisible connection to Jesus gets made visible for the world to see that, we, that when Jesus invites us to himself, he invites us to his, to his family to, to share life here and now. All right, you all can. You all don't have to stand up here any longer. You did a great job. You can head back to your seats. Yeah, just leave that the way it is. Fantastic. What I'd like to do now is invite a friend up, uh, Sarah Strand. There, Sarah. So I asked Sarah to share, uh, essentially, to share her experience. I asked Sarah if she could just tell some of her story about how she's experienced sharing life because of a shared connection to Jesus, what it's meant for her to experience this shared life uh, because of having brothers and sisters in Jesus. And she said yes. So thank you again, Sarah, for sharing this morning. And I'm going to get out of your way. Hello. As Tim said, my name is Sarah. My husband, Eric, and I have four amazing little ones, Emerson, who is six, Austin, who's four, Mason, who just turned three, and our baby, Jameson, is eight months old. After growing up in the church and then leaving as a teenager, I came back four years ago when I was invited by our good friend, Dan Persley, to the Hillcrest family. Since then, my journey in this community has challenged me in ways that I could not imagine. I had to face the false truth that I could not be loved by my sisters and brothers in Christ and by him, unless I was able to sustain a level deserving of that love. Sorry. (laughs) Because of the way I was raised, I thought that nothing is given without something in turn being expected. I thought no one just brings a meal over to bless your family. I am now able to look back at this and see that this was the root of my problem, being in relationship with God. The mentality of taking care of everything myself. We are not made to walk alone in this life. We are made to live in community, to challenge each other's false truths, and to set an example to each other and how God loves us. The number of ways this community has impacted my family are too many to count. I have given birth to two sons in the past three years, and both times unplanned, my husband's job has required him to be away. When our third child was born, my husband was able to make it home for his birth, but then had to leave 16 hours later. At this point, I was still unable to receive help With a smile on my face, I thanked the moms in my life for the meal train they had offered me, but told them that I would be okay. One week in particular, I was struggling. I had shared these struggles with the women in our moms group. After, I was approached by Ramona with the offer of a meal and to spend time with my kids so that I might have a break. I responded instantly with gratitude, but told her that I would be just fine. I got to my car and started to cry. Here I had been calling out to the Lord for help, and he had sent it in the form of a friend, and I had turned her away. The true sisters that they are, they did not abandon me just because I was being difficult. Thank God. (laughs) 
After I became pregnant with our fourth son, my husband's job required him to be gone from home five days a week. The support, this family, my family was blanketed with still overwhelms me. Through my pregnancy and birth of my youngest, I experienced my largest shift thus far in the faith, and I finally able to open up and accept the help that was being offered without the shame and guilt that I was used to feeling. Even in the, my hardest moments, I never felt alone. The examples I could give this community, living as brothers and sisters in Christ, are endless. From greeting a new face on Sunday with open arms, to the meals for new mommy, collecting funds to send our dear sister Kat McAllister to New York to spend time with her sister before she passed. This journey has forced me to work on letting down my guard in order to admit that I cannot do it myself. It has brought me closer in relationship with Jesus, and I can say with a happy heart that this is the first time in my life that I have felt unconditional love and his presence on a daily basis. One of the biggest lessons this community has taught me is that when you ask God for help and he sends you someone, you be quiet and you let them bless you. From my family and myself, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And thank you, Sarah, for sharing your life with us this morning, by sharing your story. Uh, when uh, God made us, God made us for relationship. He made us for friendships. He made us for community. And he recognizes that, that this, our hearts get bent in, curved in on ourselves. And part of his rescuing of us is rescuing us into community. When Jesus invites us to himself, he also invites us to his family. When we get connected to Jesus, we practice that. We, we live that out by sharing life here and now with one another. Um, and, and, I, and it's not always easy. and Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it feels like a braid. and Sometimes it feels like a tangle. And, uh, but we, 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 we live out this connection, this shared family of Godness. And so I guess, I guess a couple questions just to end uh, would be just what, what do you sense God inviting you to this morning? If this is all about, if, the, if we're talking about practice, embody, living it out, fleshing it out, living it out, what, what might the next step for you look like? What might God be inviting you to this morning? Couple, uh, couple. I'm going to just throw some ideas out there, but I'd really encourage you to reflect on this both today and later this week. Um, but a few possible ways you might respond. One of the big, one of the big things that we do here at Hillcrest is small groups. And so, um, if you're uh, a small group, is essentially six to fifteen people that get together in someone's home uh, once a week, once every two weeks to share life, share meals, share prayers, um, share joys, share troubles. Um, and to share life together. So, and if you've never experienced that, I encourage you to consider it. You could, on the communication card that's in your bulletin, you can put your name on there and just mark that you're interested in uh, us. You want to you try out a small group. Take it to the info table afterwards and we'll, we'll get you connected somewhere. So you can, you can try out a small group. Try sharing life that way. I know also if you're a high schooler or middle schooler, you can talk to Dan and 412. They'll get you plugged into a small group. If you're a college student, you talk to a UCM staff person. They'll get you plugged into a core. Um, but it's this try out sharing life uh, together. I know in the bulletin is also a, a, 
what Sarah talked about, the moms. There's a moms group. Another way, if you're a young mom, a way to experience community. Um, and there's info in there on that. So that's kind of a, uh, sort of like a small group uh, for young mothers. Another way in the bulletin this morning is what you heard about Sikkim earlier. Uh, these, these college students from all over the country, a lot of them from Texas, another country, coming to, um, to uh, be trained for a week. And, um, and it, maybe, maybe this morning you say, hey, we, I share this connection in Jesus to these students, so I'm going to share my home for a week. That's a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to practice this. I'm going to live it out. I'm going to share my home for a week. Maybe you respond like that this morning. Uh, or, or maybe another, you know, another idea, if you've, if you've been in small group a long time and you're like, Tim, it's kind of gotten stale, I just, I need more of a vision for Christian community, fantastic classic book on Christian community that I'd highly, highly recommend, Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was the German Christian in World War II who ended up giving his life uh, because he was uh, being obedient to Jesus, and a classic book, just over 100 pages, um, Life Together, you can check it out afterwards. I'll have it up here if you're curious about that. So all different ways, and maybe, maybe what God's calling you to, what he's inviting you to, is something different entirely. Uh, maybe it's a thank you note for someone who has shared their life with you that you need to send this week. Or maybe it's something else. But, but I believe that God, uh, when Jesus invites us to himself, he invites us to his family. He invites us to experience community together. And so uh, I would encourage you to listen to that voice and respond to it. Uh, yeah, I guess the, the last thing I'd want to say is um, I, I, I would just be, to, I'm, I'm, I really mean this from the bottom of my heart. This isn't just kind of Christian word games up here. I really desire, I desire your faith not to just be something siloed off that you, that you pursue on your own. I really desire for you to experience the kind of spiritual friendships that, are, that give life. I desire for you to have brothers and sisters in Jesus that you can pray with, that people that you can call up and celebrate with, people that you can weep with. I desire for you to have those kind of spiritual friendships. I believe we were made for that, I believe God rescues us and invites us to that. I know it's difficult at times. I know it's messy. But I really believe Jesus invites us into that. And so I hope, I hope in the coming months, in the coming years, that we would experience those kind of, those kind of relationships more and more as a Hillcrest family. Let's pray together. Father, Son, Spirit, um, Thank you. Thank you uh, that you have made us for relationship. Thank you that you uh, that when we uh, stumble, we mess it up, we get it wrong, you don't just abandon us. You uncross our arms, you lead us to brothers and sisters, and you set us, you set us in your big extended family. Thank you for the grace you have for us in that. Um, give us ears to hear how you're inviting us to follow you in that further this morning. And uh, yeah, we love you. Amen.